Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only program from RNZ Sport. I'm Matt Chatterton. In the program this week, Nepal New Zealand is confident it can fend off any poaching from Australian clubs. The Waikato Bay of Plenty Magic and the Northern Mystics square off in the Trans-Tasman Elimination Final. The Black Caps swing back into action with tests against Zimbabwe and South Africa. Cheeseburgers are on the cards for the Black Sticks following the Olympics. Lizzie Q will become the first New Zealand springboard diver to compete at the Olympics in 24 years. And Wimbledon may be over, but Rio's on the horizon for New Zealand tennis player Michael Venus. Nepal New Zealand doesn't believe there will be a rush of local players heading to Australia. With the axing of the Trans-Tasman competition from next year, Netball Australia has decided teams in its new domestic competition will be able to sign any number of international players. However, Netball New Zealand's high-performance manager Steve Lancaster doubts top New Zealand players will leave, as to be eligible for the Silver Ferns, they must be based here. It will potentially have some impact on, on New Zealand players. Um, you know, I'm sure that when they're looking to, you know, to, to fill their teams with the best players from around the world, they will look at New Zealand. Um, but, but equally, you know, as, as I've stated, they're, they're looking um, all over the world. And I guess you know, our, our reservation is um, the potential impact on the global game if um, we see the best players from other countries all flocking into one competition and, and, and what impact that might have on um, the international competitiveness um, of other teams. Financially, do you think those Australian sides are going to have more clout than other, well, for example, New Zealand teams? Look, I don't know. I don't know what their financial model is or, or what the details around their commercial uh, framework is, but we're really confident that our, our model will stack up. So I don't think that will be the case. I think that uh, on a financial footing, we'll, we'll be um, in the same ballpark. It's really um, just a case of um, the two separate competitions that... Um, obviously we'll have some different elements to them and, and how those shape up. New Zealand netball has run a policy of players needing to get permission to go and play in those competitions, the likes of Laura Langman. Is that going to remain? Absolutely, yeah. So you know, the board have certainly considered that uh, in recent months uh, in light of the, the changes to the competition model and uh, very clear that um, you know, moving forward players need to be playing uh, in New Zealand for New Zealand teams to be considered for the Silver Firm. So if a player comes to you and th- there is no way out of that, it's, it's almost like a, a, an all-black policy? Yeah, it is. It's, it's a pretty clear policy, and um, yeah, certainly the board have a very clear view that uh, it's essential that our, um, our silver ferns are playing in New Zealand um, in the best interest of our game here. Do you see this, I suppose, as an attack on the New Zealand competition, or m- maybe, as you, you mentioned there, it, it, you see it almost as a wider attack on the, on the go- global game with Australia loosening the, the reins on import players? Yeah, look, I, I, that's probably too strong a word, really. I think it's a, um, 
there's an element of risk for the game internationally if um, if the players all flock into one you know to one competition. Um, but I, I don't I don't know that it's an attack. I, I think it's more a case of Australia looking to do what's best for for them and, and their competition, and other countries having a look at it and saying, well, well hang on, we we should probably have a conversation about that before it goes too far. Uh, uh, the counter to that may well be that, that bringing those players in is going to expose them to a better level of netball and may improve the game overall. Yeah, look, I mean, you know, there's, there's always counter arguments, um, you know, to, to, to any situation. But you know, we really believe that um, you know the strength of international netball is not just in the playing base; it's also in developing infrastructure and um, you know coaches, support staff, um, and capacity really um, throughout um, the game internationally um, and. You know, often the, the best the best way for that to happen is to have strong domestic competitions um, in each country. You know, the strongest sports internationally um, are truly international, and um, we think netball is the same. What is New Zealand netball's approach going to be to import players in this new competition? Well, that's something that we need to finalise you know, in association with our players' association and our zones, and, and we're in the middle of that process right now. But at this stage, our intention is um, that there'll be no change, so there would still be one import player per team for next year. Um, you know, we think those players add value to the competition. Um, they add an element of interest and um, and they bring some quality, but we're really focused on ensuring that our competition provides the right pathway for our players through to international netball. And we don't want to see uh, pathways blocked by a flood of uh, players from overseas coming in and taking spots that could be filled by New Zealand players. Do you think it's possible that maybe we'll see, see players that are at the end of their careers or end of their international careers will be the ones that might be primarily targeted or, or actually look to move to Australian teams? Yeah, look, I, I don't know and I, I'm really loath to speak on behalf of anybody. I think that you know each player has to consider their own circumstances and, and their own aspirations and make the decision that's right for them. Are you aware of any Australian clubs that have already approached New Zealand players? No, not at this stage. I mean, at this stage, and, you know, we're still working collaboratively with Australia around, um, you know, the, the whole contracting model and the construct. And, you know, at this stage, the teams are not in a position on either side of the table to be approaching and contracting players. And as far as I'm aware, everyone's honouring that. Uh, the collaborative uh, approach, does this put that under any pressure or, or test it in any way? I don't think so. I think this is just part of that process of you know the two nations establishing their own respective leagues. We're still working um, very much in partnership mode with Netball Australia. We, you know we both see each other as um, vital um, going forward at, at international level. You know we've still got the Constellation Cup as an ongoing competition, the Netball Quad Series, um, which has been launched this year, and yeah, we we know that um, we're both very important to each other. So I, I don't think this um, has any impact on that. Netball New Zealand's high performance manager Steve Lancaster talking to Stephen Hewson. The Waikato Bay of Plenty Magic play the Northern Mystics in the ANZ Elimination Final in Hamilton on Sunday afternoon. The winner will go on to play the Southern Steel in the Conference Final, while for the loser it will mark the end of the season. Both teams had poor starts to this year with the Magic going on to win six of their 13 games so far, while the Mystics have won just three. The Magic have beaten the Mystics in their two encounters this season and have now reached the playoffs in all nine years of the competition. The Magic shooter and England international Joe Harton told Stephen Houston that while the Mystics have won just three games, they can't be underestimated. They've got some quality players that are starting to play some of their best netball this season, so... um. 
yeah, not taking them lightly. And we know it's going to be a real hard battle out there. And yeah, it's finals netball as well. So everything changes. And uh, yeah, I suppose the season results mean nothing now. Can you take anything from those other results though? The fact that we can come from behind against that team and then come back and, and win both games is um, both a worry and also heartening. You know, we can uh, definitely finish them off in the last quarter, but we want, we want to have a better start against them. They uh, they have got their act together, like you say, and they're going to be playing some real good netball, so we can't allow them to get away from us this time. When you analyse what they've improved upon, where would you point the, the finger at, at having got things together? I think they're a bit more steady in their attack. Cat 2 of IT is playing some real good netball at the moment, so she's kind of steadying their ship. And you look at um, Anna Harrison, who's turning over plenty of ball for them as well. And you've got the likes of Suna Guthrie, I suppose, steadying it through the midcourt. And actually, they're converting off their turnover now. So, yeah, that's going to be a worry for us if we throw the ball away. We know they're going to score. So it's about us keeping composure, not allowing them to take that easy ball off us and uh, yeah, necking the ball at ourselves. In a sense, you're similar to the Mystics in that you've turned your season right around yourselves, though, haven't you? Yeah, we have, and it's not been a great season by any standards, but we're really proud of the fact that we've pretty much played everyone in our squad at some point during the season and managed to to win enough games to get to finals but also play some good netball and netball that we can be proud of and hope our region's proud of as well. That mediocrity, shall we say, in the, in the first half of the season. What do you think has made things come together a bit more and maybe the feeling in the squad presumably has changed a, a bit with that momentum? Yeah, I think it allows us to have zero complacency. You know, we can't be complacent, especially when we have different combinations on. We know we have to work hard to, you know, get the ball through the court, but also to get the win. Um but also gives us confidence. You know, we've had different combinations tried and tested out there, which some teams haven't. And we've had pretty much everyone been put in a pressure situation. So that's what finals netball is all about, is handling the pressure moments and hopefully coming out on top. And we've definitely done that this season. We've had a lot thrown our way. So hopefully we can use that, build on it, and take some confidence from it. What have you noticed about, I suppose, the attitude within the squad as that season has, as the season has unfolded? I think the the big standout for me is you're asking 20-year-olds to deliver week in, week out, which is, you kind of forget that we've got, I think, three, four under 21, sometimes in our starting seven, which is huge. And you're asking them to play their best netball week in, week out to to back up the senior and more experienced players. So that's a real big plus for us. You know, those young guys are, are really pulling us through sometimes and really standing up for us. And I give all credit to them because it's not an easy situation trying to, you know, play your best netball when you're 20 years old, coming up against experienced internationals. So, yeah, it's really exciting for me looking at those players around me, giving everything they've got, and I can, you know, get some energy and feed off that as well. A strange feeling knowing that the, the Trans-Tasman competition's winding down now? Yeah, it is kind of weird to, to say there's going to be no more ANZ, but as a player, you've got to give everything you have in this final series to try and make your mark as a team, as an individual, to, you know, go out of a bang. And, and I suppose, yeah, just keep up the... The history, especially of our, our Magic franchise, you know, made every finals um, throughout the, the competition. So it is sad, but, you know, it's not over yet, and um, we don't want to go home yet either. And what's the future hold for you? Good question. <laughs> um, to be honest, I haven't really thought about the future. I'm really looking at this final series right now. Anything could happen, obviously. But, um, yeah, I just want to give everything to, to this last ANZ champs with the Magic and, yeah, just really try and, I suppose, progress all the way to that final and, just show how good a franchise we are. 
if possible, would you like to come back and be part of the, the new competition? Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, netball over this side of the world is the best netball. So, you know, I definitely see myself playing over here again. A few things to sort out of England netball as well. So I'll have all my options um, a bit later in the year once I've had a little bit of a break. It's been a, a very long season for me. Um, but, yeah, not rushing into any decisions right now, but just keeping my options open and hopefully um, be back down this side of the world next year. Joe Harton talking to Stephen Houston In the Australian Conference Elimination Final, the New South Wales Swifts play the Melbourne Vixens. Anita McLaren will make her second appearance at an Olympics after being named in the New Zealand women's hockey team bound for Rio. McLaren will have plenty of experience with her. Captain Kayla Whitelock is heading to her fourth Olympics with 247 caps of experience, while Gemma Flynn will compete in her third games. McLaren was part of the 2012 Black Sticks team that finished fourth in London, and she says she's determined to return with a medal this time round. But after finishing last at the recent Champions Trophy in the UK, the 28-year-old says the team has a long way to go to rectify that result. Yeah, you know, we were really disappointed with how we how it ended, um, but the positives were we created so many opportunities. We've, we've got, we're playing good hockey, it just didn't fall for us. Um, our belief is there that we can still win a medal. Um, and yeah, we've just got a lot of, we've got key things we need to focus on for the next few, few weeks while we're home. Was there anything in particular, I suppose, you took out of that tournament? Um, yeah, well, we just obviously stopped letting goals get scored against us and we need to score more goals, <laughs> pretty simple. Um, but no, there's definitely some key structures. We just need to fine-tune a few different things, basic structure, all those kind of things, um, and that's why we're home. We're home for the next few weeks and we're working really hard on those. I suppose that next few weeks, um, how important, I guess, it is to get those things right before you head to Rio? It's really important. It's just to get that cohesive unit, you know, get the get the gelling going between the sixteen of us. Um, now that the team's named, obviously, it's not you don't relax, but you know who's in the team and you get your connections going, and it it, it will start to flow from here. Um, I guess going to Rio itself, though, are you excited to go to uh, Brazil? Yeah, I've never been there. So I've been to obviously Argentina, but yeah, I've never been to Brazil, so I'm excited to see what it's like. Obviously, nervous. It's a different kind of country, um, but yeah, no, it'll be really exciting, and I can't wait to see what they've got in store for us. What I suppose in particular are you looking forward to about the Olympic environment? You've been before, is there anything in particular you're looking forward to going and doing? Yeah, um, there's so much. Like London Olympics for me is my first one. I was excited. It's a real big blur. I honestly don't remember a lot of it because there's just so much. So I'm hoping I'll take in a lot more. Um, you know, obviously the food hall. Us hockey girls will love our food. Um, but yeah, you know, the village itself, the people, the environment. It's just it's just the environment really. And also being in Brazil, it's a bit more flary and a bit more exciting. So it'll be quite exciting to see what they have and for me to be able to compare the two atmospheres between London and Brazil so it would be different I'm very prepared for that. <laughs> um, I was talking to Niall Williams the other day Sunny Bill's uh, sister she got named in the women's sevens team and she said the thing she's one of the things she's most looking forward to is after they've actually finished their events apparently there's a bunch of McDonald's waiting for the athletes at the end will you be chowing into the McDonald's after the event? Yeah London that was you know you go into the hall, the hall and you just see it every time you're watching and you don't even enjoy it so yep after my competition in London I went and got I was like I'm going to get 10 cheeseburgers and heaps of chicken nuggets and all this but I literally think I had one bite and I was like ugh I didn't really even enjoy it but it was just a novelty um, unfortunately for us we uh, the start to the end 
So by the time we get to go, there's massive lines, so you kind of it kind of deters you because you're waiting an hour in line to just get a cheeseburger or something like that. But yeah, it's pretty exciting. Not even a Big Mac would sway you to stay in line. Oh, you know, who knows? I'm a KFC girl, but oh. you know. But now you you kind of walk in there and you see it, and it's just a novelty of getting free food. Really, yeah. you can go to McDonald's and just grab whatever you want and leave <laughs> you don't have to pay anything you, I was quite funny when I came home from London that you go into something and you forget that you actually have to pay because <laughs> you're so used to just kind of going in and walking off me like, oh right here's no money <laughs> um, now it is um, Maori language week this week um, now I understand you guys are planning on using Maori phrases over in um, over in Rio how long has this been in the works I understand you guys have been doing it for quite a while now yeah, honestly, probably since we first started, 2009, we've been, um, we just simple calls because obviously most teams speak English. So we have a few different calls, just simple, single words, yeah. trying to teach Mark an Australian obviously how to do it. It's taken eight years for him to perfect how to pr- pronounce things. Um, but yeah, we, we do use a, a few phrases that don't really mean what the word actually means, but to us they mean something else. <laughs> have you found it's actually worked like it's given you an edge at all? Um, oh, yes and no, like it's it's hard, the, yeah you just kind of have to go with it and that's just what we do, it's our little special kind of thing. Yeah. Have you got a particular phrase you like to use yourself? Oh no, like it's just like when you're leading you can go roa which is down the sideline, yeah, yeah, yeah. tahi which is in, yeah. we've got koi which is um, an aggressive press, you know pihi that's like means I'm going to leave the ball and it'll go through to someone else. So it's just little things with the girls around you. They know what you're going to do or what you're intending to do. So it's just a way that we can connect without actually saying, hey, I'm going to leave this, you get this, and yeah, kind of thing. And the other teams haven't picked up on it yet? <laughs> no, I don't think they will. Like, what are they saying? <laughs> Anita McLaren. You're listening to Extra Time, a web-only podcast brought to you by RNZ Sport. After a lengthy international break, the Black Caps leave for a four-test tour of Zimbabwe and South Africa next week. The side's last test match was Brendan McCullum's farewell game against Australia in Christchurch in February. The Black Caps head for a training camp in South Africa before playing two tests against Zimbabwe, both at Bulawayo, starting on July 29th. For pace bowler Trent Bolt, he's been trying for the past few months to rediscover the art of swing bowling. At the 2020 World Cup in India, he didn't get to play, while he also had limited time for his IPL franchise, the Sunrisers Hyderabad, which he told sports editor Stephen Houston was frustrating. Frustrating for for a wee while there, but um, yeah, the team was travelling extremely well, and we had a, we had a pretty good good side there and a pretty good balance. So I think um, yeah, the team while the team was going well, I don't think I was I was very close to getting much game time, but um, no, it was a cool experience and obviously to. To win it and go all the way was, um, yeah, something pretty special. So the break and the time off, that's done done your wonders, has it? What's uh, You're obviously feeling pretty fresh, but, but what, what's the, I suppose, the the good things you've got out of it? Um, yeah, I think it's just a good time to, to get away from the game and get off tour for a while. I think it's been a long season, uh, dating back all the way to, to pretty much the Australian Series in October last year with the T-Series. So, um, yeah, to, to put my feet up and... Uh, yeah, to, to get away from it and to get in the gym and uh, just to be around the house has been good. So, um, no, I've used the time nicely. So I'm feeling pretty refreshed and uh, yeah, looking forward to getting back with the team and, and getting back into it. Gym work, was that sort of the, the focus, was it? I mean, you, you maybe figures-wise are a bit leaner than the, the previous season, so have you looked to work on anything in particular in that time off or, or, or simply 
just just get away from it. Oh yeah, a bit of everything really to to get away from it. It's probably been my main focus, but um, yeah, strength and conditioning is a big part of it for me, and uh, try to just top up that base that I have. And uh, yeah, I do enjoy the the work in the gym that I do, so I've tried to use that as best as I can. But um, yeah, in terms of the figures being pretty light, uh, yeah, obviously everyone wants to get more wickets or, or to get more runs, but um, yeah, I guess looking forward for me, the focus is to to see if I can get that ball swinging more than I did last year. Um, yeah, it was pretty frustrating at points, but um, yeah, the only positive that I took out of it was that not, not many people did swing it. So hopefully myself and Tim and the rest of the bowling group can get into conditions where um, yeah, we can get a bit out of the air and obviously a bit off the wicket and uh, yeah, put some better, better performances out there. Is there anything that you're able to do action-wise to, to look to get things or get the, the ball moving a, a wee bit more through the air? Uh, yeah, I suppose there's things that I go back to if I feel like things aren't going too well. Um, yeah, kind of key words or key key uh, bits of my action that I like to look at. But um, yeah, like I said before, basically no one was really swinging it. And uh, I think swing comes a lot from the conditions and uh, overhead conditions. And if it isn't there, then literally no matter what you do with the action, is, is not going to help it. But um, yeah, he's, he's hoping for... For some good conditions, but uh, yeah, obviously if it's not swinging, then we need to think of how we're going to get wickets and uh, find other measures. So um, yeah, there's the challenge. What, what sort of conditions are you anticipating in Zimbabwe and South Africa? Because what this will be your first experience, or test-wise, in Zimbabwe anyway, won't it? Yeah, it will be. I've never never done Zimbabwe, um, so yeah, I suppose it's going into the unknown a bit. But from what I hear, it's pretty low and slow. But I suppose we're just uh, coming out of winter there as well. So um, yeah, hopefully there's. There's a little bit of help off the off the surface, and then yeah, the big challenge is going to be uh, obviously South Africa and, and some crooked hits there. So no, I think oh, I'm very much looking forward to it. It's a, a huge opportunity, and it's a good way to to kick off a, a pretty long season coming up. So no, I can't wait. And what seven tests? Uh, looking there at the, the schedule that, the, that you've got sort of first, first up, so it must be, I suppose, nice to have a, a, a nice long window with Zimbabwe, South Africa, and then on in, into India. Yeah, no, a lot of tests coming up. I think I heard there's something like 14 coming up over this calendar year. But um, yeah, I think it's great. It's great that we're we're getting some opportunities to to play these teams, and um, yeah, obviously not the African teams in a two match series, but three match series coming up is um, yeah something very special. Uh, I think everyone knows how uh, big a passion I have for for the Test match arena and uh, the the game itself. Um, yeah, I think it's uh, going to be a great opportunity and. Uh, different personnel coming in and out of our team but um, we're looking to carry on some some pretty good form that we've had with that Red Bull What about yourself in the sense of I suppose getting into your into your, your stride I mean how, how long does it usually take you before you're feeling right I mean how difficult is it to get things clicking right from the start Hopefully not too difficult I think we've got a good window to, to build ourselves into this tour coming up we'll get a good camp in Pretoria before the, we actually head to Zimbabwe so yeah, for me, it's just about getting confidence of the ball coming out, how I want it, and obviously where I want to land it. And then, um, yeah, I guess the 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 big thing that I need to focus on is that if I'm fit enough to, to keep bowling these spells and um, be able to get through 40, 50, 60 overs in a week kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I'll get my confidence of hopefully feeling it coming out well and then um, just build from there. But, um, yeah, hopefully we can, you know, put a, a really dominant foot forward and, and, and bowl well and bowl the side to... A good position and, and set the games up nicely. And I suppose your role too, given the new regime uh, under under Kane, as a senior player, will uh, you'll be called upon more too? Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't really look at myself as a senior figure to be honest. So um, 
yeah, I don't see my game plan changing too much and uh, my ideas of what I bring to meetings or uh, to, to discussions or anything. But, um, yeah, I think it's just uh, going to be exciting. It's, the team's moving forward and uh, it's a shame that, that Brendan's era has had to come to an end. But, no, we all know that we're in good hands with Kane and um, yeah, I've known him since I've been literally eight years old, I guess. So, no, it's going to be exciting and uh, looking forward to, to building that new environment and that new group uh, together. Trent Bolt talking to Stephen Hewson. New Zealand's first Olympic diver in 24 years says she's got to the Games four years ahead of schedule. The 18-year-old Aucklander Lizzie Q, who's currently based in the United States at the Louisiana State University, is the first New Zealand diver selected for the Olympics since 1992. She's only been competing in the senior ranks for a year and a half and admits it's been a roller coaster ride as she tries to perfect her routines. She spoke to Stephen Hewson. After my um, trial event, I was just a waiting game. Uh, I knew that I would find out um, in June. So really, the months going up to it, I've just been treating it like I have um, been selected. So to find out that I actually was selected was absolutely amazing. Because what, you beat the reigning Commonwealth Games champion at that event? Yeah, that was amazing. Um, I couldn't believe it. (laughs) I mean, I've been training consistently hard and... um, just Rio gave me that hunger to try get there and um, just moving to the States and training hard every day, twice a day, has just helped my uh, skills a lot. So you're at Louisiana State University, correct? Yeah, I am. And what's that meant for you training-wise? What's the difference there as opposed to being based in New Zealand? I mean, it's just a huge opportunity both for my sports and uh, my further education uh, in New Zealand, it's, uh, the sporting and uh, university program isn't very um, combined, but here uh, student athletes are uh, highly, I guess, applauded, and um, there's so much support here, so many facilities, just yeah, just everything that I need to train hard. So you've only come into the what senior ranks in the past 18 months or so. Yeah. So you've had quite a remarkable rise. Yeah, I mean it's it's been a roller coaster. Not every event that I've done has been my best, but when I did that test event in Rio, um, I was calm and I really had nothing to lose, so I gave it my all, and it really uh, gave me a great result. So your hopes of, of getting to when you're at Rio, what would be a good result for you? I mean, I would love to make finals in my first Olympics. Uh, The goal has always been 2020, and to be able to go to 2016 um, as that stepping stone and that experience before the 2020 where I feel like I'll be at my peak um, is just amazing. If I made finals, I would be over the moon. You're the first New Zealander to be selected as a diver in, what, 24 years. That must be uh, quite a thrill too. Yeah, absolutely. It's a huge shock. I didn't think that um I didn't think that Rio was that close in, in my um reaching distance and I guess it was and I'm still in shock about it. So training at Louisiana State University, maybe talk us through what that actually involves. How many hours a day a, a week are you actually having to to put into the sport? Um I train uh in the mornings at 5.45, strength training and um, in the water. And then I go to class or, um, yeah, depending on what my schedule is for school. 
and then I have training in the afternoon from two till four or two till five, depending on how much I need to get done that day, um, Monday through Saturday. And competition-wise, what does that involve? Well, at the moment, I just finished um, semester one, and I'm in the summer, so we don't have competition right now. But uh, I just finished the season. Um, there's competitions pretty much every weekend. Um, it's great competition, something that uh, New Zealand can't offer because the sport in New Zealand is so small. So coming here really exposed me to um, be able to, I guess, um, develop my competing skills. And how have you gone in the collegiate competition? Um, I've, I've done pretty well for myself. Um, I made finals at the biggest collegiate meet, um, which is huge for my university. And, I mean, I have big ambitions to win that event um, within the next four years. I won't have any competition before Rio, um, just because it's quite a quiet um, time period. Everyone's just training really hard and um, uh, getting ready for the competition. And what are you, what are you studying, Lizzie? Um, I'm currently majoring in business management and minoring in chemistry. And that's an interesting combination. Yeah, um, I just love chemistry and um, I think business management is pretty practical. I would like to work for a big cosmetics firm. That's why um, I combine the two, uh, just to know the basis of actually producing the cosmetics with chemistry and um, managing with business management. Stephen Hewson talking to New Zealand's Olympic diver Lizzie Q. The Auckland tennis player Michael Venus fell one match short of becoming the first New Zealand male to reach a quarter-final of a Grand Slam since 1998 this week, after bowing out in the third round of the Wimbledon doubles. It was a tough result for Venus and his Croatian doubles partner Mate Pavic, who lost the match 16 games to 14 in the fifth set to third seeds Jamie Murray and Brazil's Bruno Suarez. The match was played over two days after being suspended due to bad light, tied 13 games all in the deciding set. Brett Stephen was the last New Zealand male player to make the quarter-finals of a Grand Slam, reaching the last eight in the doubles at Wimbledon in 1998. It was the fifth time in his career that Venus had reached a third round of a Grand Slam, but he'll soon turn his attention to next month's Rio Olympics, where he'll pair up with Marcus Daniel in the New Zealand men's doubles team. Venus spoke to Dave Luddy about his heartbreaking Wimbledon exit and his upcoming Olympic campaign. It's definitely a, a tough one. Great opportunity we had. Um, we got down two sets to love, managed to find our way back into the match and got down in the fifth set again and then came back last night and uh, we're tied up there. So tried to get as much sleep last night and ready to go this morning. And then, uh, you know, unfortunately, it just didn't quite go how I would have hoped today. Is it difficult to sleep on it overnight? There you are, lots at 13 games all. Surely you can't sleep because you're anticipating the following day. Yeah, exactly. It takes a little while to, uh, I guess, kind of calm down and, and go to sleep. Yeah, you're replaying some of the points from the day before, things that did well, things you'd like to change, and then also kind of thinking about some of the things that you'd like to do tomorrow. So, yeah, no, it does take a little while, but uh, I got there eventually. Well, you and Matej Pavic, let's look on, on the positive side. You've taken the Australian Open champions to the distance, which must give you huge confidence. You've won four titles this year, which is amazing. Finalist as well, I think, in Nice. So what's the future for you two? Because you are making great strides, and you were the 16th seeds here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we've had a great start to the year. If anyone had said that at the beginning of the year, we would have, uh, we would have taken that in a heartbeat. 
Yeah, and then being the third round here and in a position to be in the quarterfinals, definitely tough right now, but I'm sure we'll look back in a couple of weeks and say, you know, it was good and just hopefully we can keep putting ourselves in these uh, situations and try and come through in some of these other matches. So why does the pair of you work so well? He's a, Mate's a, a left-hander and you're both hammering the ball like crazy. Tactically, you're obviously both very, very good. So why does it work so well? I think the more we play with each other, just the more we kind of understand each other's game and know what the other one likes to do and how we can kind of help the other one out if they're struggling a little bit. We get on well in that, and I think that's just been kind of the evolution of playing together. Yeah, we've just got more used to each other, and things have just kind of improved from there. And so what are your strengths as you climbing this huge ladder of doubles? Because you've obviously joined the big boys. Getting there, not quite. There's still some work to be done and um, there's still some areas definitely that, that we know we can improve on and that. So yeah, we just need to kind of get out on the court and, and keep doing the things we're doing, keep, keep working on the things we are because they are getting better and, um, and hopefully uh, we, can, we can pull through on some of these other matches. And now looking forward to the Olympics in Rio, you're going to partner Marcus Daniel. How are you going to prepare for that with all these tournaments taking place? Yeah, exactly. That was something that uh, I didn't think was going to happen, but is another great thing that's happened this week is, is hearing that we were selected for Rio, so I'm really excited for that. I've got two more tournaments with Mate, and then uh, we'll head to Rio and practice with Marcus and get used to each other in that. Really exciting summer coming up. And what are your hopes? Yeah, well, I mean, you'd love to love to potentially get a medal, but, you know, there's there's great teams in there and that. I think first off, Marcus and I just need to get on the court and um, and kind of just get used to each other, comfortable with each other, and, and see how uh, how those things are going. But you've played with Marcus before, haven't you? Yeah, we've played a few times a couple of years ago and then also in Davis Cup, so we've got an idea of how each other likes to play and uh, we've practiced with each other quite a few times too, so it won't be a huge adjustment, it's just going to be making uh, yeah, little adjustments here and there. New Zealand tennis player Michael Venus speaking with Dave Luddy. And that is extra time for this week. Your feedback is always welcome via Twitter at RNZ Sport or our emails sport at radioNZ.co.nz. I'm Matt Chatterton. Bye for now. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.